I'm Rachel Vaughan-Jones and this is the Building Liquid podcast, a show about startups in the drinks world, the founders that are building them and the tipples that have inspired them along the way. Today I'm joined by Harry and Will from Bloody Drinks. The guys met at uni in Manchester. Will started his career in advertising, had a brief foray into tech and then ended up on the telly. And Harry, meanwhile, founded an interactive publishing company which made, among other things, the award-winning, critically acclaimed Mozart Project. The guys founded Bloody in 2019 as a bit of a side project, and the rest, as they say, is bloody history. Welcome to the podcast. Hello. Hello. Thanks Thanks for inviting us. Yeah, thanks for having us. So guys, for anyone who hasn't yet heard of Bloody, could you give us a quick overview, who you are and what you make? It's me. Go for it. Uh, He's pointing at me. Um, Yeah, so we are Bloody... Well, actually, we're actually Bloody Drinks is the full name of the... But it's quite confusing because on the front of the can it says Bloody, and then on the back in much smaller letters... It's the full Bloody Drinks. But um, I first had the idea for Bloody Drinks in a pub in 2017, um, sharing another slightly disappointing Bloody Mary and complaining. Well, me mainly complaining that Harry's recipe is better than anything I'd ever had in a pub. Um, And then we sort of thought, oh, I wonder if we could maybe like can your recipe and uh, solve this problem of you know, being served slightly dodgy Bloody Marys wherever we go. There was then two years of, like, endless recipe tweaking, false starts where we did things like thought it would be fine if we went to Hereford, bought an old, like, mash tun from an old brewery, cleaned it ourselves by hand, and then bought bulk tomato juice and ingredients, poured it in, and then got a hand canning machine. I mean, yeah, there was... So that, luckily we didn't do that. Um, eventually, in 2019, Christmas, um, we launched properly into retail with a Selfridges exclusive and a product that we were happy with. Still tinkering, but, but happy with. So I've got a can of your Bloody Mary here, and I'm going to crack into it a little bit later on, which I'm very excited about. But I want to kind of understand the beginning of you guys. You met at uni. Yeah. How did that happen? Was it love at first sight? I can I can clearly remember the first time I met Harry. I can I, he was sitting on a bench, and we were introduced by a mutual friend called James, who for some reason introduced Harry as El Capitan, <laughs> and I don't know why. And ha- I think maybe because Harry was wearing a sort of bear in mind this was like two thousand and four. Harry was wearing like a kind of indie like military jacket, <laughs> um, and uh, very Manchester. Yeah, it was very Manchester. He basically he it was fifteen years ago. It was a long time ago. You 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 knew you were going to Manchester Uni, so you'd immediately gone out there and bought yourself some indie <laughs> yep. clubber. He had cagoules <laughs> and uh, basically shopping exclusively at Pretty Green, and then uh, yeah, and then uh, yeah, Parker jacket exactly, yeah, bucket hats. Um, but yeah, and um, and yeah, we did we did indeed hit 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 it off, and we spent many a enjoyable evening getting you know merry, and then uh, a difficult morning recovering together with hangovers. But we ended up living together. We were in kind of neighbouring halls in first year, and then we lived together in second year and third year. And then um, he's just been following me around like a bad smell ever since then. So it's sort of desperate for just to hang out with you. Yeah, start a business. <laughs> Bloody Mary's in Manchester. When I was there, I don't think it's there anymore. Like Trough in Fallowfield yeah. was a pretty safe spot for a morning after cooked breakfast. Yeah, exactly. Little Bloody Mary yeah. station. They did, yeah. That, that was one of the few places that did them 
quite well when we were there. But we, yeah, we mainly used to just drink them. Uh, but the thing about, so at uni, Harry used to be able to get his hands on um, Clamato juice. Um, and actually... As you do. Well, yeah, exactly. He was the uni's, like, Clamato dealer. Um, and <laughs> the, the way we actually, um, like, the, the, the sort of original, original recipe um, was with it's kind of as it is now but with clamato instead of tomato um but we felt that with the launch launching the brand itself um we wanted to start with a slightly more traditional tomato based not not trying to advertise to people who have never seen a bloody mary in a can before we didn't want to also say and just so you know it's got clams in it because that doesn't it's a can that can be a little bit divisive yeah, so Harry, for anyone who doesn't really understand what Clamato juice might not have come across it before, give us the lowdown. Uh, yeah, so it's it's basically a seasoned uh, clam-infused tomato juice um, that is very popular stateside um, and, and also Canada, where they make a bloody Caesar with it, basically, uh, which is essentially the same proportions of booze and tomato juice, but instead of the tomato juice, uh, you use Clamato. Uh, it hasn't really taken off here. I think it's in a few select supermarkets and hard-to-find foods and Amazon. Uh, so you've got to look for it. But I... You can get it in some Sainsbury's, can't you? Yeah, yeah, a few select ones. Mm. Um, but you guys as students, pretty mm. uh, fancy sensibilities, making your... Everyone else is like buying Glenn's vodka down Oh, no, no, it was, we were still with Glenn's vodka. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. okay. it was, you don't, guys don't, are. Yeah, 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 yeah. This was... Um, Spent all our money on the, uh, on the mixer. Yeah, yeah. And did you guys always think that something would kind of come from your friendship in terms of working together? Or did it happen kind of organically <clears throat> in that pub back in 2017? Always used to talk about ideas when we kind of met up. Um, and this one felt the kind of most organic um, in terms of the fact that we both had a, a passion for it. And there was a clear potential opening there that... Um, two people with no experience naively thought that they could have a crack at. Um, mm. But I think that naivety spurred us on to, to actually give it a go because if we'd found out, you know, two years later from having that conversation that we'd still be tinkering with the recipe and trying to find production partners that could complicate, <laughs> uh, that could pack the most complicated cocktail that has ever been, um, you know, we might not have gone through with it. So... Mm. Uh, yeah, it's a blessing and a curse. So how did that work? You kind of, you've got your two guys, you're sat in a pub, you've got this idea, we've got to make Harry's Bloody Mary recipe a reality for everyone mm. else to enjoy. We've got no experience. Who do you call? Who do you Google? Yeah. What do you, how do you go about it? You know, in terms of people have asked, you know, in the past, like, what advice would you give to people doing startups and stuff? And for us, the thing that's worked is just surround yourself with people much clever and more experienced than you and um that's kind of been true of, of every phase um that we've kind of gone through but when it comes to that initial bit when we were you know just working it all out we we had a we were lucky on several fronts first first firstly um we're friends with the guys that run signature brew um so i met them through harry um and uh they were also so sam mcgregor one of the founders of signature brew is also a big fan of of Harry's Bloody Mary and he'd had it at like Sunday lunches or whatever and uh, and he said when Harry was talking about this idea he said oh we should just to see if it's going to work to see if the tomato juice will go through a canning line to see what it's like drinking 
something like that out of a can. Why don't you just fill one of our kegs at the end of one of our canning runs, put it through, and we'll see 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 how it, how it works out. Um, and uh, so we did that, and it nearly blew up the canning line but it just about went through um big lumps of like cracked black pepper in there and stuff which we we then learned we should take out um but uh, but that kind of was the first thing we then had like 60 cans that were just full of the drink they weren't pressurized they were squidgy um they weren't pasteurized but that was kind of like okay it this can be a thing it doesn't feel weird we gave them to friends they were like this is great you know that was kind of phase one Phase two of working out how to do that on a bigger scale, that was when we, you know, thought maybe we could do it ourselves and, like, build a factory for, like, two grand, which was ridiculous. But actually, it was during that process where I was phoning around loads of people on the internet being like, I'm looking for, like, a mixing, uh, like a giant cauldron. Um, We spoke to a guy called Mike Turner, um, who runs a company called UK Beverage Services, um, and we just got on really well on the phone, and he was like lads I'll, I'll help you out and he's a consultant by trade but he very kindly just put us in touch with various people and he introduced us to a company called David Berryman who are now our production partners and they're unique in that they have a really great state-of-the-art canning line in a really top facility which is used to canning juices they traditionally were a juice company um, so they can handle our, our allergens, most of them. They can handle pulp through the canning line. They've got experience in all the right areas. And they also help with recipe development. So then we took the recipe that we'd been tinkering, you know, in Harry's kitchen for two years to them. Um, and then they helped us turn that into something scalable. That process was also a very long process. And actually, you know, we're, it's a miracle that they're still working with us because we took thousands and thousands of tweaks. I mean, it was that it was almost one of the more stressful bits of the process because yeah. we were like, are we ever going to get it right? Are they going to just lose patience and tell us to get lost? Are they going to present us at the end with a bill for thousands and thousands of pounds because of all of these changes and tweaks? Um, but I imagine they've up there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Know. We basically found a loophole <laughs> which has now been firmly closed. Um, but. It was, I mean, it got to points where I was just, you know, I was like, mate, you know, we just need to do it. Like, we need to just settle on one of these because otherwise this is never going to happen. Harry being the, you know, purist was like, absolutely not. And he was right. Um, so we managed to do it without compromising. Mm. Um, and and there's that bit before when you think you've got it done in the, in the lab where it still has to be canned. You still have to do a test run and you've still got to, you know, we were hoping that, um, because we didn't have, you know, li- unlimited resources that we could essentially sell our first t- test run, and for the hope that it would come out well. And luckily, um, it, it did. But you know, there's so many unknowns in mm-hmm. terms of when, even when you scale up from just a few bottles in a lab to, you know, two and a half thousand, uh, things do shift mm-hmm. like uh, heat. So the earlier cans were were very spicy indeed, um, and. Yeah, we had to turn it, turn the heat down. Yeah, uh, a bit after that. Well, all this talk of Bloody Mary, I'm gonna. Have you given it? Did you? Had you? Yeah. Is it cold? Have you got ice? It's freezing nice. cold, and I gave it a good nice shake one. before we started the call. How are you? How are you garnishing? How have you? What have you chosen? So people do say the Bloody Mary is all about the garnish. Um, so when I kind of make a drink on these recordings, I usually get things ready beforehand, and I 
wanted to prepare a little cocktail skewer with what I could find in my fridge, which has an olive, a cornichon, a little silver skin onion. But I didn't want, <laughs> didn't want them to be sitting out with like, you know, sometimes when an olive and a cornichon sit out, they get that like chalky film. Yeah. So they've been sitting here in a little pool of brine. That's amazing. Well, you know what you should do? Pour a little bit of that brine into the drink. Yeah, I will. Yeah, that's Good our idea. that's our top right. that's the top secret in. tip because we have those Pirello olives in yeah. our um, bloody box uh, that we released um, before Christmas, um, yeah. and they are exactly what you've got on your 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 cocktail stick there. So you're you're on trend as far as we're concerned. It's bloody delicious. So this is kind of Harry's recipe. It's quite brave though, right? Because Bloody Marys are very personal mm. to people. And also vary from like place to place. Mm-hmm. Like I used to work a lot in Asia. And when you go to a cocktail bar and they say on a level of one to 10, how spicy do you want your Bloody Mary? In the UK, it's like, well, I'll take an eight. But in Asia, it's like, I'll, t- I'll take <laughs> like a three or a four. Because you know, it's going to like blow your head off. So it was quite, it's quite a brave move to to bottle something that's so kind of personal. But you guys encourage like personalization. Mm, definitely. I mean, um, yeah, you put it beautifully in that uh, it, it was quite scary coming out with what we consider to be you know a, a, a decent Bloody Mary because there is that spectrum of how people want it you know in terms of how much spice how much Worcestershire sauce uh, what other kind of um, alcohol they put into it uh, we went with an Amontillado uh, sherry which we think you know joins the tomato and the vodka really nicely um, but there are a myriad of different ways in which people take it. So coming out with one that we think is really good was, was scary. But um, I think we had to just be bold and kind of make sure that we liked it and we were comfortable with yeah. it uh, and just hope for the best. It, it, um, also, it also probably worked in our favour slightly because with a Bloody Mary, there's no point in doing loads of tasting and, and designing it by committee because it's so varied. When we first launched, we did our first test batch that we, um, that we ended up kind of, we took that to, um, to Glastonbury. It, it's kind of like embarrassingly close to the sort of fabled innocent smoothie story where they start, they, took, they went to Glastonbury and they had a, two bins and it was like, should we give up our day jobs and do this or not like we made this batch of cans that we kind of self-funded but we were hoping to sell to try and recoup some of those costs and then if people liked it then we were like okay then we're gonna try and raise investment to make like an actual big batch and like do you know do you know what I mean like then it was like we're gonna turn it into a business and luckily people it went down you know really really well which was great um but you know we did do some tasting where we like made forms for people to fill out about you know right level of spice or what and for every person who said it's not spicy enough there was somebody else who said it was too spicy for every person who said there wasn't enough which but actually it, all of that kind of disappears when you're just actually just drinking it like maybe if you're making your own at home you might it might make it slightly differently but as long as the drink is balanced and that then it's then it works for yeah. anyone you know it drinks uh, by itself very nicely yeah. but yeah. also it's a you know we're not um we're not precious if people want to add more more mm. stuff to it. Yeah, know? it can be a great base for someone else to take it to, to what they consider yeah. brilliant. Yeah, and that's what I really like about it is that um, if you drink it kind of as it is, as it comes, it is beautifully balanced. It's got enough spice. I think lots of kind of other pre-mixed Bloody Marys that I've tried are just a bit 
and it's like runny and thin and they don't have that kind of umami punch which yours does but at the same time it's balanced enough to be a base for kind of throwing mm. your extra bits and bobs at home um to kind of personalize it which which i think is is a really good thing so aside from your own bloody mary <clears throat> what is and where is the best bloody mary that you guys have ever had ever that's a big shout ever ever mm. my consistent favorite mm. is baltazar in covent garden just because i love the restaurant as well and the, the guy behind the bar has perfected his his recipe over i think he's been there for about 20 25 years now um and his is got some nice fresh horseradish in he uses a combination of tomato and, and v8 juice i'm big fan of the V8 because it adds that extra savoury uh, dimension um, and yeah that was some, some oysters uh, and some seafood is it, brilliant, it's a kind of French American uh, bistro so in a way it celebrates the kind of you know the origination of the, the history of the Bloody Mary which is contested but it's either a French guy in France or a French guy in, in uh, the US depending on whose story you believe mm. yeah i mean it, for me it's like i mean it's quite it's always context to an extent and one of the great things about a bloody mary is once people if people if people are serving you a good one it doesn't have to be the best one ever but at the right moment it's just the perfect drink so as long as somebody's done a good job it can be like absolute sort of manner from heaven we went the one that we had do you remember when we went to um, Hastings to the fireworks thing in, at yeah. the end of 2019 and we were in a bad way the next day and we like stumbled on this place, this random place that we had no expectations of and the lady just absolutely nailed the Bloody Marys. Um, like, you know, so, so, you know, that kind of random experience can stick out. But there's a place in Soho called Bar Termini which is like a kind of Italian mm. sort of... Ra- I don't want to call it a railway station-themed bar because that makes it sound rubbish, but it's like... <laughs> but it's kind of got this vibe. But anyway, I, yeah, it's really small, but, but they, I really like the way they do theirs. So they, they, rather than... They basically, all of the, the ingredients they use, all the elements are kind of distillates and they're all liquids. So they don't add pepper, they add like black pepper solution. They don't just add... A squeeze of lemon it's like this slightly spiced lemon kind of distillate that they've created they they have a bottle of horseradish vodka which they make themselves just for their bloody marys and i just i like the way that it's incredibly smooth you know like everything is it's like done with pipettes and so again it's that thing of balance it's not necessarily like the perfect flavor profile for my palate but it's that thing of it's one of the most well balanced bloody marys you can have because it's so precise and it's so clean. So that one's a re- that's that's definitely it's yeah. really fun watching them make it and chatting to the guy as well. It's really good. Across the road from Bartermini is Swift and they do a really good one and at the same time it's they'll give you a lot of heat and a lot of power but it's still perfectly balanced. There's enough kind of citrusy light kind of notes mm. to lift it and they're probably in London. I would say they're the best one. But you kind of touched on it then that it's also about the yeah. experience, right? As long as someone makes you a, a decent one, it's about who you're with. It's about watching yeah. them do this crazy magical pipette thing, and it's the kind of experience around it that makes it um, worthwhile. And there's a bit of science behind it as well, you know, like which I find quite interesting. You know, around the the way the flavors interact with each other. Just when you've got so many flavors that are that big and bold. I mean, you know, we've got soy sauce in ours for that extra umami and 
pickle juice, you know, to, to kind of add that slight kind of tangy acidity. And it, it's it's just, yeah, it's, it's such a fascinating drink. It's savoury, you know, it's just, yeah, it's amazing. Let's talk brand. Two guys, no experience. We've talked about how you went about <clears throat> bringing the liquid to life, getting it into a can, sending kegs down your mate's bottling canning line um, in their brewery. How did you go about brand? Yeah, well, so actually, when when we first like were talking about doing it and kind of we'd had an initial chat about it, the thing that made it go from pub chat, usual kind of, Oh, we should do this thing um, to like actually doing it was um, Harry sent me a, a PDF um, like deck of f- for bloody drinks and it just had bloody on the it was all red with bloody and black and then like a pipette dripping trimber underneath yeah I mean that sounds awful but it just and and then and then and then each slide he'd, he'd made he'd mocked up these cans just red cans with these like like photo images of statues on the front which again doesn't it sounds a bit weird but it was like because the idea because our, our, our first product is a bloody classic and then you know we are developing alternatives to that so we've already developed a bloody samurai which is a japanese inspired version which is totally different in terms of flavor profile it's got um uh, white miso and, and a bit of teriyaki sake um, wasabi as well as um the tabasco it's it's really interesting but you know so we've got the Bloody Samurai, the, the the bloody classic. We were looking at, uh, uh, you know, uh, even like things like a bloody jerk, a bloody horse, which is another name for that. Yeah. Ooh, so like, yeah. but and so Harry kind of mocked up these cans that were just red with these images on the front, and it just that is not the brand we've gone with, but it but it it, it kind of clicked to for me like how how striking you can make the branding around a product like a Bloody Mary that is inherently bold and unique and based on a, on sort of a swear word, you know, like bloody. So um, that was kind of the clincher in terms of, for me, being like, mate, yeah, I definitely want to get involved and we should definitely do this. I mean, Harry had already, it was already all in Harry's head, but... Um, but yeah, that, so that kind of branding, that's kind of where it all started. Spent quite a long time going through lots of different iterations. Um, I think from the start, Bloody was always going to be kind of in capitals at the forefront. Um, you know, as Will said, uh, to legit, legitimately uh, swear on your can uh, it can be quite a fun, playful thing to, to use as a brand. We don't want to overdo it. Um, there's a guy who trolls us on Instagram, not trolling, but um, who goes, why don't you do the bloody pun again? Um, because you've got to rein it in. But he um, might just be being genuine. Like, why don't you do it again? <laughs> and if you could go back now to kind of the start of your journey and kind of give yourself one piece of advice or if there was something you really wish you'd known back then, Don't bother going be? to Hereford to look at a giant cauldron. It's a waste of... Well, that took a day. It was about 100 quid each on the train huge waste of everyone's time were you planning to get no it back idea. on the train if you'd have gone <laughs> no ahead idea. with the purchase we were, we were measuring the boot space in um harry's girlfriend's mazda <laughs> it was uh, it wasn't it wasn't gonna work but um that would be one i don't know it's, it's a good question i think there'll be so many that's, yeah, that's the, the yeah things that we just didn't know about the industry that 
haven't, yeah, I guess they have been quite alarming. Uh, you know, the nature of listing fees yeah. you don't really budget for when you don't really know the, uh, the industry, um, you know, the expense of being in a supermarket. Um, route to market, a phrase that we didn't know until yeah. you know, two years ago, yeah. which is a very important We part thought route the, to market was just like, just post them, post the cans to them. <laughs> but no, there's wholesale, also wholesalers and distributors, different things, yeah. different things. Yeah, um, yeah there, was, there was loads, there was loads. But, but in a way, like, I mean, one of the main things, um, we jumped the gun massively on our PR um, and we we ended up we started paying for PR um, six months before we actually launched into Selfridges, um, and you could you could buy our drink online, but we didn't really have any presence, and it, it was just that was a that was an error. That said, um, part of that PR involved trade press, and we wouldn't have been able to get ourselves any trade press with our nil contacts, and um, and it was off the back of a. It, the Sainsbury's buyer saw us in some trade press and then we got into Sainsbury's and she'd been sitting on that for a while before contacting us waiting for the range review and stuff so actually that money that we at the time were like we have absolutely like wasted you know the, the biggest single amount of money we'd spent up to that point by a long way um, arguably we wouldn't have got into Sainsbury's if we hadn't done that so there's always kind of you stumble along and look for the positives, even in the um, mishaps. Yeah, well, there are a lot of brands who are desperately, constantly trying to get into Sainsbury's. So to hear that the buyer approached you guys off the back of that PR, I think all of them would say it was it was worth the bloody money. Mm, yes. As they say. <laughs> <laughs> so what's next? For bloody, you talked about you've got some <clears throat> different MPD in the works. I'm mm. very excited at the thought of a bloody samurai. What's next in terms of kind of the brand? You're obviously redesigning. Where do you see mm-hmm. bloody kind of in the next few years? Where would be your dream listing location place to see like bloody thriving? Well, on the MPD front. Um... Before the samurai, we've actually we're, we're actually doing a very limited little run of quite a fun new product. Should we talk, can we even mention? It? Yeah, yeah, it's a bit top secret, but breaking um, news. Breaking news, yeah. So um, we have developed. Uh, I'm pretty like we're ninety nine percent sure it is the world's first clarified sparkling Bloody Mary. Ooh. So. We've developed it with these amazing um, ingredients developers. Oh, Siri's talking to me. Um, these, oh yeah, amazing ingredients developers um, in Suffolk who work with lots of really interesting brands. And um, we, yeah, it's clarified tomato water, sparkling with um, horseradish. All It's all UK grown natural ingredients. So horseradish, chili, bit of watercress instead of celery it's not an allergen but it has that kind of really nice fresh pepperiness um a special umami extract which is mainly made with um kombu scottish seaweed um lime um it's it's like savory umami spicy but really light and sparkling and citrusy and uh, slightly pink so it kind of looks like a sort of pink gin fizz um, but then you get this umami and savoury hit. 
Um, so yeah, we're really excited about that. Would you say like a Bloody Mary hard seltzer, basically? <laughs> I mean, it is, that is well, it's pretty much exactly what it is, I think. But we're sort of, yeah, we're not necessarily going to sell it. I don't really know, like... Bloody hard seltzer is... Uh, it's, it's 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 a tempting name. There's I think so there's, much going on. There's in the so seltzer, much going on. Seltzer category. Yeah, but there's also so much going on in the drink. Like there's there's a, it's more than not to do down any any hard seltzers. And they do have lovely combinations of flavors, but it is there's a lot going on in there, and it feels more you know in terms of the ingredients and stuff, it feels like a proper cocktail. Um, but it is you know out of a can, and it's it's about five percent. But um, but it's yeah that is uh, we're we're calling it the bloody clarity. Very nice. I like that. And I was going to ask you actually around this rise of the RTD. Obviously, you guys were in cans, a ready to drink Bloody Mary, uh, sort of before the massive boom of, you know, there's like 100 hard seltzers every day, 100 different cocktails in cans, etc. Have you found that that has had a bit of like a halo effect like people are now more receptive to canned products um or have you found it kind of encroaching on your space it's yeah i think it's great i mean look we're we're incredibly lucky that this has happened because people now do articles like the best things in cans because things in cans are a thing and we're you know they need to fill the page of the space on the page and so we're we're often involved in those sorts of things, which is always which is always great um, publicity. So, yeah, it's definitely good. I mean, the, the the challenge for us is kind of you know we're more expensive than than a, than a, sel- a hard seltzer, and if people start getting used to paying for stuff which looks and feels very premium and is a great product, but is one eighty five a can for a kind of premium hard seltzer, and we're three quid in 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 a supermarket, you know there there is an education piece around why. We are, we would be more expensive, but that's that's okay. But yeah, there's some great some great movements uh, this year in terms of like canned canned cocktail, cocktails that are kind of higher ABV, kind of small smaller in terms of their serve size, like that pocket Negroni's incredible moth cocktails have come out with a really good a good range. Mm. Um, so yeah, I think it's really exciting to be to be part of it really. Mm. And it also means that, like, sorry, there's, there's like a, so there's a festival, um, Bigfoot Festival happening this summer, um, which is, you know, great food, great drinks, but all their bars are all canned drinks. And that isn't, that doesn't mean you're going to get, you know, you're still going to get great drinks because, because there are so many interesting things, you know, on the market. Yeah, if someone tried to do that, you know, maybe five years ago a festival where every single drink on sale was in a can you'd be like oh it's going to be a shit experience but actually now yeah. it's it's totally within the realms of possibility that you'll get some of the best drinks on the market all from a can mm. so my final question is always around desert island <clears throat> drinks cabinet you've got bloody on tap what else are you taking i take guinness as just uh a, yeah on draft uh and then i probably have Clamato in there, our, our old friend. Um, I'd take uh, Chase's smoked vodka. I think that's incredible uh, with a, a tomato juice. Um, well, when when um, Harry got here and was like, "Oh, we, you know, we're going to get asked about these tipples," I, I was like, "Well, I'll take. I I want to take Sam Smith's um, beer, the old brewery." 
Um, and Harry said, "You can't because I'm taking Guinness, and it's too similar." But I don't have any. I don't have an alternative. So, because I, I grew up near Tadcaster in Yorkshire, and, and that's where they brew Sam Smiths, and it's an incredible pint when kept well. And uh, and I love, I love beer, and I love pints. So I'll be getting getting that taking that. Um, I like El Rio. Yeah. Well, I was I was eyeing that up. There's. There's, that tequila is fantastic. This is amazing. And they're, they're, what, I think it's their signature serve of a um, tequila and tonic. Tequila and tonic yeah. with a bit of grapefruit is. And, and the thing is, if, you, if you're on this desert island, you need to. You know, we've learned throughout lockdown, you have to have these things to break up your week. And so, you know, Friday is tequila time. You know, just so we feel like we're having a, having a bit of a party on the island. So I I would take El Rayo's uh, classic, their, their silver one. Um, Platter. There, yeah. yeah, that's a great choice. They were in the first season of the podcast, actually. And they kind of, similarly to you, they came at it with no industry experience. Yeah. But They're again, really that nice stood them in good stead yeah. to just kind of do things their own way. I'd also take, um, as I know you're a whiskey lover, um, I would take... Have you ever had the Glenn Farkless that they did a 25-year... It was with a specific shop, like the Whiskey Exchange or someone like that. I can't remember now who, where I got it from. But it was this 25-year-old Glenn Farkless, which, is, which was like the smoothest, creamiest, because I'm probably not going to have access to ice. I don't really have ice in my whiskey anyway, but even cold, you know, just a dash of cold water is going to be hard. So if I'm taking a, a whiskey, I, that would, would be my choice, just because it's so smooth and drinkable without, without touching it at all. Um, yeah, a couple of spirits and a, and a pint for me. Very nice. Guys, thank you so much. It's been great to chat to you and find out more about the bloody journey. And I'm literally going to be eagle-eyed on your social media to see when the next uh, products drop, particularly this kind of light, spritzy type, Bloody Mary clarified thing. I can't wait to get my chops around that. So We'll send you some. Yeah. We'll send you some ASAP. I'd love it. Um, and yeah, keep in touch. Awesome. Nice one. Thanks thank so you much so much for talking to us. Yeah. Take, Take care. care. Bye-bye. That's it for season two of the podcast. Please take a quick second to leave us a review as it will really help us get season three off the ground in the autumn. In the meantime, keep in touch with me via Instagram at rvjdrinks and I will catch you soon.